I'm just super excited to uh, have Hondo and Trisha Wynn with us. Hey, brother. Uh, Hondo and Trish were, they first came to us and part of our Philida family like 99 through early 2000s. Yep. And uh, I was trying to think of words to describe the two of them. And Hondo suggested the word illustrious, and I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> totally sold out for Jesus, that's what I'd say. And it's just really great to have them here. And so we're going to let Hondo uh, teach and preach and be radical. Go for it, brother. I went to Multnomah, right, and so I think it was right when I was about to get married, I, I was just thinking, man, i got to tighten up the ship and start floating around like we got to commit to a church, and so this was the church that we committed to, and it was all because of Trish, Trish the Dish, so you got your hand out, and uh, I'm the one on the left with the beard, and then my <laughs> wife, Trish, is on the right, super hot, that's my wife, <laughs> definitely married up. So that was a good thing. So we were married, and then we started coming to Flida. And then I graduated, and I was an intern here for a little bit. I got to teach. I think Scott was pretty gracious in letting me teach. I don't think anybody left as a result of the teaching, but it was, it was a rough early patch, early start teaching. But it went, it went, man. It went. So, all right. Let's see. I'm going to pull some chairs up. But first, so anyways, my name's Hondo, wife Trish. We have two little cute kids somewhere in Colorado. Um, his name, the dude, he's seven. His name is Caleb, and her name is Elizabeth. She's four and super fun to do that. We're missionaries. We're actually Philida missionaries. So um, we're in the country of Slovenia. So I was actually asked earlier, just because in different parts of Europe they change their countries every so often, it's <laughs> helpful to have a little f- refreshing, a little reminder, okay? So if... Uh, <coughs> The country of Slovenia, everybody's familiar with the boot of Italy, right? So you got the boot. So don't imagine I'm wearing like a high heel boot, but say like the boot was right here. Um, Slovenia is kind of right in the, like the knee pit of the boot, all right? And then the whole backside of the boot, if you're thinking Italy, is Croatia. So that's the whole backside. So Slovenia, Croatia, Serbia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Montenegro, these were all former Yugoslavia. Who here remembers Yugos, those old cars? So that came from Yugoslavia, those little jewels of a car. Those were really nice, affordable, for sure. So, so we live in the uh, country of Slovenia. We've been there for six years. And we're really stoked to be back here in the United States. I've made it my particular goal to eat as much carne asada as possible. So there's not good Mexican food in Slovenia. And so I've been taking it upon myself to work out every morning, not necessarily to lose weight. That's not my goal. I just want to kind of maintain my current level of fatness and eat as many burritos as possible because I kind of feel like burrito is not just like a, an option. It's really a food group, you know? And so it's so nice to be back and just enjoying the goods. So um, we're stoked to, to be here. We're with the organization called Josiah Venture. And so Josiah Venture's vision is a movement of God among the youth of Eastern, Central and Eastern Europe that finds its home in the local church and transforms society. And so Josiah Venture was originally started by a guy named Dave Patty, and he just felt like it was right around when the Iron Curtain was falling, different communist, you know, Soviet bloc nations were breaking apart, gaining independence, Right around 91, I think him and three other, his family and two other families went into 
Czech Republic and Poland and started, felt the call to go partner with local churches and reach next generation. And so because they accepted that, they moved on that really dangerous call. I mean, they've never been shot at, but it was dangerous. It was a perilous move. There's now Josiah Ventures in 13 different countries throughout Central and Eastern Europe. Uh, just last year, 2014, we finished, we did a 1,000 th- outreach camps in, those, in that time. We have three on-the-ground sort of training facilities in different countries across Eastern Europe. And then almost in every country, there's <clears throat> training programs. We may not have a facility, but like the programs are in place. And so it's pretty exciting <clears throat> what's happened. And I think we've only scratched the surface, you know. Um, Josiah Ventures' mission statement is to equip young leaders in Central and Eastern Europe to fulfill Christ's commission. Can you go to that first slide? We'll just leave that one up. So it'll be up there. It's kind of tight lettering. So, But uh, Christ's commission. So first I want to unpack that. Cause so if that's the, if that's the, uh, the mission statement, we need to know what do you mean by fulfill Christ's commission. So we're over there. Young leaders, okay. Youth, that makes sense. Central and Eastern Europe, yeah, that's somewhat clear. Geographically, it depends on the wars and like where things move. But uh, to fulfill Christ's commission, what's Christ's commission? So, Christ's commission is, it's a kind of a catchphrase that's historically been at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. So for those of you who don't know or haven't read the Bible, probably a lot of you have, but maybe some of you hadn't, I don't know. So it's kind of broken up. You've got the Old Testament, the New Testament. First part of the New Testament, four Gospels, and they talk about uh, Jesus' life, ministry, and what he came to do. So, this is in the first of those books, the Gospel of Matthew, and right at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, it talks about um, the commission. It's a commission, really. Like Jesus sending out his followers to go do this. He's commissioning them to do this. So. We don't have your stuff there, sorry. Oh, really? Yeah. We had it, but we were evacuated off topic. Oh, no worries. We could do that. All right, talk amongst yourselves. So, um, I can just read straight out of the Bible, man. We don't need PowerPoint right now. So, uh, I know God's mission, actually. God's, the, whole, the whole plan that God has in place is way bigger, way more global, far more encompassing. But the Great Commission is something He specifically has asked His followers to do. And so, this is where you get that catchphrase. And I'll read it. This is a Great Commission right at the end. So this is already, this is post-Jesus. Jesus died, popped out of the grave three days later. Woo, this is exciting. And then he hung out with his, he met his guys, like, I'll go meet you on the mountain, right? So that's biblical. And he says this, and Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So probably a lot of you guys have heard that, and that's good. <clears throat> but the idea of go and make disciples of all nations, so that's what he's commissioning you to, to go and make disciples. If you're a Jesus follower, your Lord commands you to go make disciples, right? And so, oh, this is heavy. So what does that mean exactly, to go make disciples, right? So first you have to ask the question, what's a disciple? Oof, what does that look like? So we have these funny pictures kind of painted from culture so is it like a you know star wars is coming out so is it kind of like a jedi and a padawan so like a you know is it that sort of a thing or is it maybe 
I don't know, a sensei, and you're like in a dojo, and you teach them how to fight, or is it... So in Slovenia, we have a two-year discipleship program, and we use the word, for quite a few years, we use the word mentor. But I'm like, oh, I just hated the word mentor. I'm like, oh, this is not good. It's good in certain contexts and for certain things, but it carries that vibe of sort of like, I have it, and you need it. I am the mentor. You are the mentee. Let me give you what you need, you know? And I'm like, oh, I don't like that. For a while, I used the awkward phrase. It was kind of like, all right, we're gospel buddies. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't really fit in Slovene either. <laughs> so I started talking to an alpinist, you know, like a mountaineer, a guy that climbs big mountains, a guy named Igor, for real. And so <laughs> his name is uh, he's Igor the Alpinist. So Igor the Alpinist and I were having a little conversation, and I said, man, I need a good word. Um, for this, and I'm describing the idea, and, and he's like, oh, toye naveza stadi. And I said, aha, so this is translation. Oh, this is naveza, dude. And so I'm like, oh, great, thanks, man. So the word naveza, as he goes on to explain it, I think paints an awesome picture of what a disciple and even being in a discipleship relationship looks like. So a naveza is a small group that's all connected together. Uh, the mafia use it as well, but we're going to use it in the kind of the, <laughs> kind of the mountaineering sort of zone. And so it's, it's a small group. They're all tied together and they're climbing a mountain together. And so this is awesome because you can have some people who know how to climb better than others, right? But there's a difference between I have it and you need it. Let me give it to you. And we're all roped up together and there's risk and danger involved. Like if one guy falls, you have to catch that guy, you know what I mean? And if I fall, catch me, you know? And it's not just like a hippie drum circle, you know? We're not just, we're not just looking at each other and sharing our snacks, when you're tied up in a naveza, you're on a mission, man. You're like, dude, we're climbing that mountain, and it's perilous. And we have a trajectory. We're going there. We're in this together. Um, so naveza paints this really great picture, I think. And there's also danger involved, which I think is a key element in discipleship. We need danger, right? Peril. And so I think this picture of Neveza, so we use that word now, a naveza, you know? And so it's, I think that's, oh, that's a great picture. So as far as... As far as that, um, you may be asking, danger, where do you get this notion of danger? And that's a fine question. Thanks for asking. <laughs> well, let me answer that. Danger in this idea of discipleship is, is critical. I get that not only from my own experience. There's been some perilous times in discipleship. But also, if you look at the life of Jesus, man, this was a dangerous thing to follow this guy. He starts off his ministry, you could read in like Luke 4, with a mob of people wanting to throw him off a cliff, right? That's a rough day of starting your ministry, right? This is day one. And then he calls a bunch of gruff fishermen guys and kind of outcast tax collectors. Nobody likes those guys. And he calls those guys to follow him, and he does all sorts of stuff, like um, challenges them to, you know, they're, I mean, he's walking across the water. He calls one of them out to do that. Like, they battle against the forces of evil, like crazy demon-possessed dudes. And, like, is, they get ridiculed by all sorts of religious elite in that time and he's just doing this kind of epic three-year road trip around with a bunch of fishermen dudes it's awesome you know and then he also says hey you need to drop everything and follow me pick up your cross and they follow him to the cross you know what i mean they all disband or whatever because that's pretty gnarly like that was next level but he goes to the cross for us you know he fights um, he absorbs sin, like kills, you know, death and the devil. Like he, he gets it done and he pops back out and he says, meet me back on the mountain. And then he says, go do it like this. You know what I mean? Go make disciples. 
And they're probably not like, ah, how do you do that? They're like, oh, you mean like just like the three years you've been making us as we're disciples? Yeah, do it like that, all right? So I think danger is a key element in discipleship. I've also, I was in Europe, this chunk, my family were for two years, you know, and so things start to look normal when you've been in a place that long. And then when you come back, it's called reverse culture shock. So I'm back in the United States, and there's some reverse culture shock that happens. You're like, oh, yeah, I forgot America was like that. (laughs) So, for example, one thing, they don't have this in Slovenia, but I love this traffic law. It's right turn on red light, you know what I mean? They don't do that. I hate it. Right turn on red is brilliant, you know what I mean? It's so good. They have to sit there and wait for the light. It's just like, it's pain. So... I'm back in the States, I'm driving, and I'm like, yes, right turn on red, here we go, man, this is my chance, you know, woo, it's the little things, you know, that count sometimes, and so I go to make right turn on red, and the lady that's in this lane is just like, eh, eh. she's like, oh, she's going nuts, I'm like, dude, relax, man, what is this, road rage in California or something, and then I start to pay attention about where I am, and I'm like, oh, this is a bike lane I just merged into, you know, but the thing is, the bike lanes are about the size of the roads in Europe, and so... I'm like, I got plenty of room in this bike lane, man. This is no problem. We're not even clipping windows yet, you know what I mean? And so the roads are huge out here. I mean, I feel like I just got acres of room in the roads out here. I'm just cruising along, staying in the lane. Oh, man, it's insane. Um, Another thing that really struck me was the high level of safety. Things are not like that in Eastern Europe necessarily. So, for example, I was with my son, and we were going on a water park. And we're going to race down this little two-slider. We're like hiking up the thing with our mats, you know. And we get to the top. And we're like, all right, here we go. And there's a nice lady up there. And I'm like, hey, nice lady. Great. And so we're ready to go. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. i got to tell you about how to do this. We're like, well, it's a water slide, man. What's? And so she starts talking us through like how to do this water slide and how to do it safely. She's like, man, use the handrail while you enter. Like caution, you may slip. Like all this sort of stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot it was like this. This is insane. So like parts of Eastern Europe, it would be like, there wouldn't be anybody up top. There would be a bunch of dudes going at the same time drinking beer out of glass bottles. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, this is different. I forgot it was like this here. And so one of the reasons why I want to mention that is because I think that's pretty heavy in our culture. Safety and security is huge in our culture. And so I don't know. I haven't been around Philida for two years. I've been hanging out in Europe, you know what I mean? And so, But one thing I would caution Philida is that potentially... That value in our culture here in the States, the high value of safety could seep into the discipleship relationship as you follow Christ. And so you're thinking about how to play it safe rather than like follow Jesus into the perilous life. And so we're going to talk a bit about that, but I would caution you from that. So, And actually I would say that as you study and read the Bible more and more and get to know Jesus, it should reorient your categories of what danger is. And so it's dangerous to be apathetic. It's dangerous to not give up everything and go for it. It's actually more dangerous, but you have to have different lens on rather than the cultural lens that we're handed to in the States. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this, specifically discipleship. So um, let's start with, can you go to the next slide? Yes. So this guy right here, this is one of the most dangerous guys I know, right? So this is not the world's categories of danger, because I'm pretty sure I could beat him up fairly easily, (laughs) all right? But this dude is dangerous, and he's dangerous specifically because of his continued posture of saying yes to what Jesus asked him to do. 
And that, place, that makes him a very dangerous guy. His name's Josh Patti. This is his family. That's his wife, Christy. And he's the country leader of Slovenia. Um, and Trish and I went in 2004 on a vision trip, kind of like, God, do you want us? We've always thought, back at Multnomah, I felt just called, like, yeah, we've got to go overseas, man. And so we've always felt that. So this is a bit of a vision trip in 2004. And so we're just sitting down with Josh here. He's just looking like that. I'm like, this dude's not dangerous, you know, in the back of my mind. And we're talking, and he's like, yeah, you know what? If you guys just came out and just discipled students, you know, Honda, you could just, just come and disciple dudes. That's all we really want you to do. And so I'm thinking in my mind, yeah, sure, that's no problem. I'll come disciple dudes in Slovenia. This is easy. I'm like, <laughs> dude, the, what he called me to has been the most perilous six years of my life. Like, I've never been beat up and run through the mill more in the last six, six years than the previous 16, hands down. And yet it's also been probably some of the most formational and some of the most powerful times that I've met and experienced with God as I'm taking the hits. And so this is a dangerous thing when... Josh, you know, looking all jolly and happy in his shirt. You know, hey, you just come and disciple dudes. You're like, oh, that actually carries a lot of dangerous weight behind it. So this guy, dangerous dude. I'm going to teach you guys a discipleship thing that we do a lot in, uh, in and around Josiah Venture. I think it's just helpful categories. We got it from a guy named Dan Spader who does Sun Life, and he got it from Jesus. So... <laughs> Or just like studying the life of Jesus, right? So he reads Jesus a lot. And you look at Jesus. How did Jesus make disciples is the question. And it wasn't random. It was very, it was intentional. And there was order and there was progression, you know. And so we're going to go through that. This is called five-chair discipleship. And these are really, this isn't like hard and fast categories that you have to be here, here, or here. But it's a helpful mental coat hook for you to hang your, your different coats on or whatever the case, you know. It just helps you kind of think through the process. So... We'll start with that. So first, chair number one. So we'll say this is chair one. So in the Gospel of John, we see as Jesus was starting, he met a couple of guys, and they asked, hey, where are you staying? And he said, hey, come, or come, he replied, and you'll see. So then they went to where Jesus lived, and they just hung out with Jesus at his house all day. So this is come and see. This is chair one. So this is where you're putting yourself in the way you're just hanging out intentionally. You're in community. You're in different spots around your community, and you're, you're being there with intentionality, hanging out. Um, not only that, but it's okay to build things, too, and invite people. Hey, come and see. VBS is like, hey, come and see. Some of the students have never, you know, been introduced at all or been through the doors of a church or met, you know, somebody maybe that is a Christian. And so this is just come and see. And you're out in the middle of community. You're also inviting people. Hey, come on in. This is what Jesus did. This is kind of the first chair. You've got to be ready for unplanned connections, as well as it's okay to plan for, hey, let's make connections, right? So you have to ask the question, what does a person in this chair need? What does that person need? It's rhetorical. You don't have to answer. But the, maybe the, one of the best things they could do is let's meet some Christians who aren't weirdos. You know what I mean? <laughs> that could be a really a high level of need. In that, because... Like media, I don't know if you've noticed, but it doesn't paint Christians in the most favorable light, you know? You watch TV and we're like, dude, we're psychos, man. <laughs> but like, were you to meet probably most of you, some of you are psychos, maybe, I don't know. But probably, <laughs> were we to meet most of you, to be like, oh, these are just normal, these people, these are great. These guys make good neighbors, like, you know what I mean? So for them just to meet Christians who aren't weirdos, like, this could be a high level of need. I think also clarity, or start to see who Jesus really is, rather than 
how, say, South Park paints Jesus, he shows up there, or how, like you see Jesus pop up in media or songs or all sorts of stuff, but this paints an unclear and untrue image of who the real Jesus is. And so just to start to have some of that pulled away is like super helpful for come and see. All right, second chair. Um, Also early on in the Gospels and throughout the story, Jesus challenges people to repent and believe. All right? So it may take a really long time to get somebody from this chair to this chair. Or it may take five minutes. I don't know. People are different, you know? So it's different stories for different folks. Um, but you can't skip chair, this chair. This is, this is key. The Bible talks about this chair a ton. This, from this chair to this chair, from repentance and belief to over here, the uh, Bible gives you pictures like from darkness into light, from death into life, from outside the family to, oh man, forever adopted one of the kids, the children of God. This is a huge step. And so it's important to also ask, okay, what does a person in this chair need? What do they need? What does this person need? So maybe clarity. They may have a few extra questions that's just hanging them up. They can't get past it. Maybe they need... Um, oh, this is big. They may need to recognize the price they will pay of doing this. You know, that's a big... They may need to know, hey, do you need to be perfect before you come to Jesus? Let me just answer, no, you don't actually. Just come to Jesus, right? But you need to know that like following Jesus, he may... I don't know, I'll leave it up to him... He may ask you to stop sleeping with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. He may say, stop doing heroin. I don't know, maybe. Uh, he may ask you to give up, uh, sell everything and follow me. I don't, this is a dangerous guy. So when you choose to follow this dangerous guy, there's peril involved and you need to know that. But that's good. Um, second chair, right? This is repent and believe. Third chair. This is where Jesus calls his disciples and he says, follow me. All right, so if we were to use really a biblical analogy of like, okay, you have a newborn baby here. They just, so they need to know how to communicate with their parents, right? So Jesus teaches his disciples, this is how you talk to the Father, right? And they need to know how you get food, you know? And like, oh man, read God's word. This is how you get food. And they need to know how to deal with their sin. And babies have like a poop problem. If somebody doesn't help them take care of it, like things get messy, you know what I'm saying? And so you need to help these new believers take some of these initial steps and learn how to do those sort of things. Come follow me. And so what does this person need in this chair? What does this person need? So they need some of those things. Um, Third chair. So this is similar, but I think there's a different key aspect. So this is, at a later time, actually, if you study the the chronology of the thing. It's not super important. But at a later time, Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. All right? And so this is really cool in the sense that it's, you know, at some point, if we're still using the child analogy, you have to grow up and you have to recognize, oh, yeah, I need to be nice to my brothers and sisters. Uh Uh-huh. I should probably learn how to play well with others at the playground. Things like this. You recognize, oh, it's not just about me. I'm not just the one cosmic ball of need that's all important. I actually have to play well with others. So you start thinking, well, I'm fishing for men. So how does that happen? So um, what do we do? And so this is a super important next step sort of thing. How do I fish for men? And, And really, I think it's an awesome way that Jesus talks about identity. So these were fishermen. And he looks in and calls them, hey, you're a fisherman. How do you, how have I specifically made you, called you, and then how are we going to use that for the kingdom? It wasn't calling them to be 
something else. He was saying, no, I want you fishermen to be fishers of men. And so there's a really, I think, a great identity piece to that because God sees us as individuals and he wants to use who he's made us specifically to be. So what does this person need? I think this person needs opportunity with freedom to both succeed and to fail. I think this person needs opportunity to both uh, succeed and then have somebody come back later and talk to them about the goodness of what happens when you succeed and the stuff that can just go sour. Like you could be, yeah, I am awesome. That went great. <laughs> That's like, oh, too bad. And then sometimes when you, f- when you fail and say, no, actually, God still loves you even though you totally blew it, man. You know, and so they need somebody to come alongside of them, but they need some room and opportunities to be able to grow and reach and do different things. So this is, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. This one, fifth chair. Uh, this is right at the end. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, comes to his disciples. Not just comes to them, but come on, he teleports. So there is teleportation in the Bible. Go check it out. And he teleports right in the middle of a locked room. Bam, he shows up and he says, oh, and they're freaking out. Peace, peace, relax, man. Peace be with you. Um, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So this is, I'm sending you, chair. So if we're going with the analogy, again, of growth, when, you know, this baby grows up and starts to grow bigger and bigger, and then they can reproduce, don't take the analogy too far, um, they're, they're mature individuals, you know what I'm saying? And so this disciple, I'm sending you to go out and reproduce. You need to go make more disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. All right, and so this is, I am sending you. All right, so these are helpful Five chairs. All right, now I'm going to have you turn to your neighbor. Well, I'll do a repeat real quick. Uh, come and see. Repent and believe. Follow me. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. I'm sending you. Turn to your neighbor and explain these five chairs. Ready? Go. It's okay. You can talk in church. Go. Turn to your neighbor. Oh, hey, can you go next slide? All right, all right, it's good enough, good enough. You can finish at home, you can finish over, I don't know, dinner, Red Robin or wherever you go, so. Uh, And I got this epic picture here, five chairs. So we're going to now go through these five chairs again, but I'm going to give you a picture of a student or students that we work with in Slovenia um, in each one of these chairs, and I'll tell you a little story, all right? So we can go to this next slide. This is downtown Banja Luka, Bosnia, and this is a Montenegrin dude uh, named, we called him Onion. I know you're not supposed to do that as a missionary. His name was Ogdian or something like that. It was really hard to say his name, and so we started saying Onion. This is bad form. You don't do this as a missionary. You're not really supposed to. But anyways, this is Onion, and so... I had the great opportunity of taking like 12 Slovene University students who are Jesus followers that are in that discipleship training program. And we're like, man, we want to do a mission trip. And it finally came together this year. Like, yeah, let's go to Bosnia and do a mission trip. So this is like epic trifecta. I'm taking Slovenes as missionaries down to Bosnia. And this is like, it was insane. So there were about 12 of them, and they mostly did outreach to children's program, which was great. And then some youth and different things like that. But I wanted to run this like side mission trip. (laughs) <laughs> kind of a clandestine mission, filled with danger. And so I had this other intern who was there for like seven months, and he was a skateboarder, snowboarder guy, and we were reaching out to the local skateboard dirtbags around our town. 
And so I'm like, yes, dude, let's go see if we can go bombing. Not bombing, you shouldn't say that with Bosnia. So, <laughs> so let's see if we could go riding our skateboards through downtown Banja Luka, find skaters, and just see what happens, man. This will be fun. <laughs> Peril and danger. So we have this Canadian guy named Zach, and he came with us. He can skate. I'm an old man, and, but I can still skate around, you know, and, uh, but the knees hurt, man. And I know you guys are like, no, Honda, you, you're in prime shape. You're looking good, buddy. And I know that's true. I would admit that. Um, but still, nonetheless, the knees hurt and just pavement hurts way more than it did when I was 20. So anyways, I imported another guy. I connected with a dude in uh, the UK. We call him Joe the Brit because he was from the British Isles. <laughs> Joe the Brit. So anyway, Joe the Brit and I and Zach, we're cruising through downtown Banyaluka, and we meet like a whole bunch of skaters in this square and we just start talking to them straight away and they're like hey let's we want to cruise all around town and show you all the skate spots in town and i'm rolling around with the camera which is a great old man way of saying like i'll just film <laughs> you know <laughs> and so we're rolling around downtown banya luca filming it ended up like having great conversation with onion he we gave him a bible they like the him and joe the brit like traded shirts like they just won the world cup or something it was awesome, and then he, Onion, came to uh, one of our youth events. We're still, like, on Facebooking with Onion and stuff like that, so it's awesome. That was a come and see. He was right here, and it was a great connection. So the dangerous part of this was rolling around on a skateboard in Bosnia. So had I got injured, the Bosnian healthcare, for whatever the healthcare system is here, I guarantee the Bosnian healthcare system is a little bit lower standards, man. So... <laughs> So I did not want to get hurt and wound up with organs missing or something. So <laughs> anyways, this is Onion. Chair number two. Come and see. This is uh, Repent and Believe. So we can go to the next slide. All right, this is Yanez. So I love this guy, man. So I wish I could call him brother, right? But he's in this chair, and I can't, man. I want to so bad. I pray for it all the time. I've known this guy the most. I've hung out with Yanez. I was his English teacher in high school. I teach some English in high school. For quite a few years, he's in his third year of university now. He's broken like that because we went snowboarding together. <laughs> so we were riding up, and we had already had two other buddies that I know who had crashed on the knuckle of a jump. So let me explain this. So you have a jump, big jump. This is big, big air stuff. Jump, take off, and then the landing is like this. And so the jump's here, and this is the knuckle, right? And so you don't want to land on the knuckle. You want to land in the sweet spot. That's where it's key. If you land on the knuckle, you just get ejected or broken or whatever the case. And so we've just seen earlier that day, two of our buddies landed on the knuckle. One broke his snowboard, and the other guy, like, separated some ribs or something like that. But we're rolling up, and Giannis is like, I want to hit this. I want to hit this, man. And I'm like, dude, do not go short. You need to go really fast, man. Do not hit the knuckle, dude. You'll be number three. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll go fast. And then he got a little overzealous, man. And he just went big, you know what I mean? He still, the jump is monstrous, so he still landed in transition, but he was over the bars is what we say, you know, like your handlebars. He's on his snowboard, and he's over, and he landed on the front, bam, bust his collarbone. We had to drag him out of there, take him to the hospital. <laughs> it's all right, he's fine. <laughs> so, but really, not the snowboarding, but the dangerous part of this is, is that when you, uh-oh, that's, sorry about that. So the dangerous part of this is that when you invest your life into people, like, and you don't, you just pray and you want them to be here, but they're here, it hurts, man. This is actually a dangerous spot. So 
not to snowboarding, but building relationships with, with, with people. So I'm going to keep hanging out with Giannis. I love this dude, and I just am praying, <clears throat> praying like crazy. We've had tons of conversations. I've had him read the Bible. <clears throat> I've shared my testimony. He knows the gospel. But he sits right here, and so we're praying for him to step over here. Chair three. It's dangerous. All right, next one. So this guy, his name is Elijah. So Cope is our little mom-and-pop ski resort. Spring corn means spring corn snow something, right? Ski resort was closed. So he's the pastor's kid, actually. The pastor's Slovene, uh, married an American, so he's a slow American. And so he doesn't really fit anywhere. It's pretty tough. He had a hard junior high, like got picked on a lot in junior high. Um, he's in high school now. But I'm discipling this dude. And he's just recently, after a struggle, just like, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. You know, tough struggle. Is God really there? If God's really there, why am I getting picked on this bad? Stuff like that. So, so anyways, I take him up because the kid's got ADD, you know. What am I going to do? Sit down and do like a workbook with him over coffee? No, man. He just, oh, he'd go nuts. He has to do that already in school anyways. So I'm like, oh, let's take this guy on the mountain like what Jesus does. This makes sense, right? So I don't know how they disciple in Kansas. There's no mountains, so... <laughs> It's probably not getting done in Kansas. But here, you guys have no excuse. There's some great mountains around, you know. So, so anyways, I take him up the mountain. We, we snowboard at the same time with intentionality. We talk about how he's doing. We talk about the Bible that we're reading, and, and uh, it's awesome. So this is Elijah. He's for sure just recently. He's in Follow Me, right? Next one. Uh, so these three guys. So there's Zach from Canada. I don't know. Go figure, Canada. So just kidding. <laughs> We love you, our brothers to the north. So uh, this is Zach. This is Casey. He's from Salem. And then Dorotea. So Dorotea is one of my former English students, which is awesome. She's like, come to know the Lord. She's just charging. She's going for it. Right now she's a summer intern back in Slovenia helping to run camps and do all sorts of stuff. So it's super exciting. And we were all kind of a crew. We were seven-month internship. She stayed with us, these two guys, and we were doing different ministry opportunities this whole seven months, and it was awesome. These guys, we ran them hard um, through all sorts of stuff. We had skating and snowboarding kind of outreach to these guys. Casey started like a basketball crew with some dudes at the high school. Like we were doing just tons of stuff, winter camps, really fun. So they were definitely... I gave them lots of opportunities, and there was lots of talks afterwards of how do we, <clears throat> all right, let's think about that. What happened inside of you? Technically, yeah, and then also in your own soul, were you filled with pride because you nailed it? Or were you crushed, and you need to hear that actually you're still in the family. God hasn't kicked you out because you're horrible, you know, or something. So that's follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. All right, next level, or next stage, next chair. So these girls are awesome. So this is uh, Kaya and Zala. And uh, they're both Slovene, and they're awesome. They're disciples who are making disciples. So both of them are interns this summer as well in Slovenia. And this last two months ago when we were in Bosnia, they're both in a program where they're discipling, and they've been discipled. They're making disciples who can make disciples. Uh, Zala came to me, and she said, Hey, can you teach me how to lead mission trips? Because I want to lead Slovene students on missions trips into other countries and i'm like yeah for sure i will and so it was awesome she was way more responsible than i was and like just it was way better so i was teaching her i'm like man this is great you're doing awesome and so we went down to bosnia and i gave her a lot of freedom because she wants to lead slovene leading slovene missionaries into bosnia is like mind blower it's trifecta it's awesome it's like the best so i get super excited about it so they're for sure fifth chair just killing it these are awesome girls so, and they came to know the Lord through a come and see English camp. 
you know. And they've been just walked through with different people, because it takes a village, right? <coughs> uh, through these chairs, and now they're just, they're doing awesome. It's so encouraging. So, so all right. Now let me ask you, <coughs> as you look at the five chairs, you can probably go to the next one. I think it's the five chairs. Which chair would you put yourself in? Where are you at? Which chair would you put yourself in? Hmm. And, harder question, what's that dangerous next step that Jesus is asking you to do? Right? I know there's some out there right now that are like, ooh, just got that like pit in your stomach. Maybe you're like, oh man, he's asking me to do that thing. Maybe you're here, this is your first time at church, and you're like, yeah, these guys aren't so weird, or maybe you think we are, so... I don't know. So anyways, but you're here, and maybe I would invite you, man, start to get to know Jesus for real, not like who society paints him to be. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're here, and you're like, dude, it's going to cost a lot. And you're asking that question, what's the dangerous next step? It's right there. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the free gift that costs your whole life, right? Maybe you're here, and you're like, man, I, I need to learn how to talk to the Father. I need to learn how to read the Bible and play with others, you know, these sort of things. Or maybe you're here and you've been here for a long time and it's time to start thinking like, man, how do I fish for men? Who has God uniquely made me to be? And how do I reach people in the, in the circles that he's uniquely put you in? And then maybe you're here. I don't know. Maybe you need to get some other people and get dangerous together. You know what I mean? So I may not be talking about physical danger, although I think that could be beneficial. <laughs> it's like cross-training, you know? So you could do... F- physically dangerous things that can actually help your walk with Jesus spiritually. So I, would, I wouldn't count that out. But it's not necessarily physical danger. All right? So where are you at? Now think of a couple people that you're close to, maybe that are close proximity to you. Where would you put them? Maybe two or three. You're like, oh, yeah, that person. I have influence in their life or I'm here. Where would they be? And how can I move them or ask them or really invite them into the next step in the process of following Jesus? What's the next step you can invite those people to? <laughs> I think these are s- super important questions because what Jesus asks us, the last thing he says is he flies away. I mean, there's a couple things that he says, but one thing he says is you need to make disciples of all nations. This, do what I just did with these guys. Do this, and that's how the thing rolls on. All right, um, all right we'll finish with this. I'll kind of give you guys a... Commission. It's important to not walk away from this just feeling like, oh, now I have to go make disciples, one more thing. So that's what we call the law. That's burden. We, I'm not, you're not really calling me to that. Or maybe you're walking out of here and saying, man, I kill it. I'm like the best disciple maker ever. Well, that's what we call pride, actually. That's not good either, right? And so you need to hear the good news of the gospel, that Jesus isn't asking you to do something he hasn't already done. And in fact, his walking into danger and death, devil, and, uh, you know, absorbing our sin, he made a way that we can be in the fam and that we're good, we're set. Ultimately, we have nothing to fear in this life. And so for us to get risky, it doesn't cost us that much. You may die, yeah, sure. But your eternity is secure, you know what I mean? And eternity with the Lord and the new heavens and new earth is going to be so sick. It's, it's well worth risking everything for it right now. So that's the good news of the gospel. We can ultimately risk everything because we won't lose anything. So, this is kind of the commission. Follow Jesus into dangerous places and take others with you. And keep looking to Jesus and remember, He is actually with you to the end of the age. And then we'll be partying and it'll be epic. So, get dangerous. Thank you, Hondo.
Hey, let's, uh, let's, let's bow together and pray. And I just ask you to think about what you've just heard and um, how God may be speaking to you right now and what step he wants you to take, what step he wants you to help invite others to take. And just talk to him about it. Father, thank you uh, that your love is so huge. It's, it's, it includes each one of us. It includes a whole world full of people. And Lord, uh, th- thank you for this challenge to just think about where we're at with you and where the people around us are at. And Lord, how ultimately in Jesus we are safe so we don't have to worry about playing it safe and we can take risks. God, may we become just a, a faithful risk-taking people uh, for the for the sake of those who are lost and need to be found, for the sake of those who need to grow, for the sake of those who need to be challenged and sent out. Uh, Lord, help us uh, take big risks that really aren't risks because uh, we are secure in Jesus. And we pray you would do just mighty things in and through us for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.